0: but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases.
1: I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help.
0: Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. And welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm your host today, AJ Hafley, alongside Nathan Rudolph. Rudo, before we get into what we're going to get into today, I just want to take a second and love on the Breckenridge Brewery a bit as it is now the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American Amber Ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a lighthearted Kolsch Ale. But for those of you who have no idea what that means, people like me, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store any other Breckenridge beer. Make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it this week. It's nice and brand new. You'll be able to see all of the events we have planned and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time hanging out with us as we did last night at the Blake Street Tavern uh, for the All-Star Game Watch Party. We are going to get into hockey stuff, though. So, Ruto, what's up, dude?
2: Not a whole lot. Starting to get into that, that time of year where less and less hockey things happen. We're still getting a couple of signings here and there, which is interesting, but
1: yeah. um, Quickly, very quickly thoughts on the Michael Furland, to Vancouver contract.
2: I got to think Vancouver loves that deal. Four years at three and a half million for a guy like that. Seems, seems perfectly solid.
1: I have to agree. Um, I mean, it just seems, seems great. The Alex Nylander for uh, Henry Yokiharu trade yesterday. Thoughts yeah, on that?
2: It it happened. Um, I don't really get it. I I guess look, Chicago had a ton of defensemen and they needed to like clear up some room. And if it were the ABS and they had done like Ryan Graves for Nylander, Nylander, I wouldn't have hated it. But Yokiharu is a first round pick. He played. 40 some games this year and looks to be looked to be very solid for them coming into this season. Yeah. That feels expensive for, for a guy like Nylander who really isn't proven at all at this point.
1: I mean, had the abs done Timmons for Nylander, I would have been unhappy.
2: Yeah. Right. Because Timmons has that upside.
1: Yeah. And Nylander, Nylander has been very, very blah. Yeah. uh, So far in his career. So, uh, don't know what Chicago was doing, but that's true most of the time. Um, I'm I'm shocked that they're, they they continue to believe that the pathway to get back to the postseason is to keep tr- making trades with Arizona and <laughs> Carolina and now Buffalo. So <laughs> sure, whatever. Good luck with that. That's <laughs> that's where we begin today, though. Yeah, we're going to talk about the central division, some of the position groups, and where we think things stand. Uh, as the summer is more or less over in terms of big moves,
2: right? It's everything is pretty much settled. I guess the zingle is still out there, but that's about it, right? Pretty much Dezingle, all the big trade pieces are done.
1: Yeah, Dezingle and Gardner is really it, um, yeah. and so unless those guys come to the, uh, the come to the Central Gear, Division, yeah. we're more or less uh, set. So let's uh, let's take a run off the top of your head. Was there one move made by any of the teams in the Central Division this year that you just this summer? I should say that you thought, oh man, that's a big move forward for that club.
2: Well, in a vacuum. I thought Dallas getting Pavelski mm-hmm. was very, very nice. Now you get into the other moves they did, like adding Perry as well, and it's eh, maybe doesn't and look Saquera. quite good. Yeah. But Pavelski alone, I was like, great. <laughs> now we have Ben and Sig and firing wristers with him in front of our goalie, and that's mm-hmm. no fun.
1: <laughs> it's certainly going to be... Um, that's in the same way that Kadri opens up the abs to do a lot of different things. Pavelski does the same thing for
2: Dallas. Right, exactly. He's going to be a really versatile piece for them. Not only on the power play, but at five on five, he'll probably be on their second line, but it, he's still a guy that's going to give them 30, 35 goals and them adding forward depth is, is a scary thing because they were much like the reputation the abs had last year where, the abs, it wasn't necessarily true, but with Dallas, their forward depth was pretty dicey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was. Um, I, I mean, look at what, what happened when they got Matt Zuccarello and uh, right. healthy, he made a huge difference for, for them in terms of trying to defend them. So uh, that's a, that's a big thing. Uh, I think, maybe my favorite underrated move of the entire offseason out of the central was Robin Leonard or Chicago.
2: Yeah. the the one year deal there is interesting, but the Chicago has had tons of problems the last couple of years with Crawford's injury trouble. And yeah. for them, it was pretty much Crawford or busts. And, and now with Leonard, they have an out there where they still have a super strong goalie.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I, i I think it's a great. It's a great upside play for them, uh, and it's it's a high end safety net in case uh, you know something doesn't happen with Crow again. But I'm. I've always been a big Leonard fan, and uh, you know, watching him with the Isles last year, he won't have the same level of defense. He won't have the same kind of coaching, uh, but it it could be. it it could be a long-term answer for them at that position where they just transition nicely from Crawford into uh Leonard. If, if things go well, if Leonard does fit in and he does have a good year.
2: Yeah. It, the last year did feel a lot like Leonard finally got to where he needed to be. Right. So as long as he doesn't go off the rails in Chicago, it should be a solid piece.
1: I do like it. Let's let's start with that position group. Let's start with the goalies, since we're already halfway through this segment. Um, I've gotta I've gotta say, um, going into next season, I still think Dallas, coming off what they did last year, has the strongest group at goaltender. Ben Bishop in <clears throat> former Houston Arrow and the uh, apple of my eye Anton <laughs> Kudobin. Um come both coming off
2: fantastic
1: seasons. Yeah, you got to
2: give Bishop credit there. He's been super solid for basically his entire career and, and nearly dragged Dallas to the Western Conference Finals last year. So <laughs> yeah, he is probably the most consistent quality goalie in the division, at least when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can p- maybe, depending on how much you believe in Jordan Bennington, you could make a case for the blues, but I wouldn't be making that case. We'll see. Uh
1: yeah. I I think I would have Dallas one and then everybody after that is kind of in a big cluster of question marks where there's upside. Yeah. I agree. Um You know, Dubnik has been solid for uh for Minnesota basically the entire time he's been there. He's been, you know, he's he's gotten worse, obviously, after that insane season that got him the contract he's on. Yeah. But he's never been below average and uh, you know, his numbers are all right in, right in the same range consistently every year. Yep. And that kind of reliability out of your starter is nice. You know, he's not a high level starter, but he's not, he's not one of the worst starters either.
2: And he plays Um, a huge workload for them too. Absolutely. Games every year. So
1: definitely. And uh, he, um, you know, backed up by Alex Staylock, who is a solid backup. Like he's had, he's had a lengthy NHL career now, almost entirely as a backup. He's got a hundred games played in the NHL, almost entirely just as a backup. Uh, you know, typical backup Staylock is, where the, the results vary, uh, but fairly reliable. Uh, not, not what you wanted out of him last year. Anytime you're under 900 save percentage, you've got problems, but. Solid in his career overall. Uh, kind of kind of in the same vein that I do see St. Louis, you know, Bennington, they're not doing anything with Jake Allen. Um, the big upside with the Blues guys is that they're both younger. You know, Allen's yeah. 28, Bennington's 25. Uh, both of the guys for Minnesota are older in their 30s. Same as Dallas, which is one reason why you wonder about Dallas. You know, you, do does one of those guys hit the wall? Do they both hit the wall? Because that that could easily sink a team. Nothing sinks teams faster than poor
2: goaltending. Right. As we saw with the Evs, Especially with Bishop, his size and bit of injury history. Yeah. When it hits for him, it's going to hit hard. Definitely. And we wonder the same
1: thing about Pecorino in Nashville, who I think is still one of the better starters uh, in the division, but did take a noticeable step back last season. And hey, the guy is what 35, 36 years old now. He's 36. he'll turn 37 during this next season. Um, he's been backed up for a couple of years now by UC Soros who a couple two years ago had a phenomenal season and then last year it dropped down to just good.
2: Yeah, I'm still a pretty big believer in Soros, so uh, I'm not too worried about them. There, the Rene thing is is definitely a real question for them, though, because they have him at yeah. five million for two more years, and it's already starting to slip pretty significantly for him. So, if they're set on writing Rene as the starter, that's not great. Yeah
1: the the transition from. Yeah. Rene starting uh fifty I mean he started fifty-nine games, fifty-six the last two seasons. Um so I think I think the transition should start this year where they get both guys uh certainly Renee down into the forties. Yeah. yeah. Uh that I think that should start this season so they can start the, the a transition period in earnest here. Uh it's not that Rene is is, is bad. It's just that they're their talent level is probably close right now and running one guy into the ground for the same results makes no sense.
2: Right. And but, and that's it's an easy transition too because then you basically give Saros a test run as a partial starter and you really find out what you have there.
1: Definitely. Um you you do you have an opportunity to transition a guy into the job uh in a way where you don't just drop 50 games on him and be like here you go good luck. You know, exactly. you get to you get to ease him into it a little bit where that's a luxury very few teams and and goaltenders have in that situation. Um Winnipeg, I think, is probably in the same general area as Colorado.
2: Yeah, they have their Hellebuck as a guy who isn't really super proven, but they did give a huge contract to he had one super solid year uh, mm-hmm. two years ago, and then this year was very average.
1: Yeah, and and his nine thirteen, um, you know, the end result nine thirteen. You're kind of eh. It's not great, but it's it's if that's going to be Hellebuck at his worst, there there's an opportunity for them to get to have pretty good goaltending. The big question mark behind is, uh, you know. Eric Comrie is not very good, and Bressois yeah. was brought back. And Brassois is coming off a career year. Are you going to be able to get that caliber of backup goaltending again? Because if they get the same level of of average starter that they got out of Hellebuck, but Bressois comes back down to where his career numbers are because last year was a huge outlier for him, Um, that's that's a really big... That's a really big drop.
2: Yeah, it's – they have serious questions at the at the backup goalie position. Uh, it And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Like you said, it's kind of the same position with the Avs there where it's yeah. just a question mark.
1: You're rolling the dice. You're hoping, hey, you're always – I think when it comes to a backup, you're almost always hoping for league average. Unless yeah, exactly. unless you have a starter. Like last year with the Avs, uh, with Varley and Grubauer – you know, hoping for league average it was was your bottom line, I think, uh, just given the track record of the two guys involved. But that's a rare situation. This is a normal in Winnipeg and Colorado this year. It's a normal starter backup spot. Uh, you're hoping for league average out of your backup, and then obviously you want your starter to be a starter. You want him to be good. Yeah, And right. that's one area where Colorado, you know, we've <laughs> we've talked about the third goaltender spot a little bit uh in recent pods but not the actual nhl they're taking a big chance with pavel francis i mean he's in two nhl games played he's 29 years old uh they they don't nobody knows what the abs have in this guy at the nhl level he was a very good starter for the eagles last year um i think he got worn down a little bit at the end he just kind of looked tired to me but lots of reason to believe that he could be a rock solid backup for the avs but he just hasn't done it
2: yeah it's i don't think he has anything left to prove in any other league he was one of the best goalies in the mm-hmm. khl when he was there he, mm-hmm. he absolutely killed at least the first half of the season in the ahl and mm-hmm. ended up with very solid numbers it's just he, you don't know you don't he know he always Aminiko.
1: shows well internationally for yeah. for a czech republic team whose talent level varies around him
2: this is, I think you're hundred percent right. This is the only level where we're still wondering, but that wonder is absolutely there. It, the NHL is a different beast in, in every way. And you see goalies come into this league and just crumble all the time. Hopefully not it, his two short showings looks promising in the NHL last year. And, and hopefully he builds on that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's encouraging and, you know, Lots of reasons, like we like we've said, to believe that Fran can do it. It's just a matter of him doing it. And until that happens, it's a question mark. Yeah. And absolutely. and and honestly, goaltending is such voodoo, it's such an unknown that even if he does it next year, the onus will be on him to do it again. Yeah. It it, it never gets easier, right? <laughs> yeah. And and then at the the starting position, you've got Philip Grubauer who Last year was an adventure for him. If you just looked at yeah. the end of season numbers, you'd say, "Hey, you'll take that." I would take that this year. Uh, if I if I knew that Phil Rubauer is going to be a nine seventeen goaltender through fifty five starts, I would take that in a heartbeat. But knowing how we got to that nine seventeen last year makes you nervous.
2: Yeah, uh, we can't have two months of just absentee goalies this year. It's it. Nearly cost us this past season, and it would definitely hurt us this year if it happens again. And Grubauer did have the safety net of Varley as well last year. Obviously, Mm -hmm. that didn't work out great either for those two months, but he wasn't the true guy in net until the end of the year. And this year, he's going to have to be that guy for the entire year for the first time in his career.
1: Last year, the regular season, his splits. This is going to get depressing. (laughs) Started out strong, nine sixteen save percentage in four games in October, eight ninety-five yep. in five games in November. So yeah, it's you know, not not great, but like eight ninety-five in five games, you're like, eh, maybe it was one day. Barely passable, yeah. You know, like eh. and then December eight games, a nine oh four, so it got better. Yeah, and then but, the bottom fell out. Yep. Just four games played, but an eight sixteen save percentage and a four point seven two goals against average. Yeah, that's a nope. Four games played, and he gave up nine even strength goals, six power play
2: goals, and one shorthanded goal in four games. I mean, you're flirting with a, a save percentage that starts with a seven. That's scary. <laughs> 81.6 as a save percentage in
1: those, in those time in that time. And then slowly in February, three games played. Um, 929 save percentage. And yep. that included that big shutout that he had in Nashville, which kind of seemed to to spark him in a huge way. Came out of nowhere on that uh unexpected back-to-back where Colorado went into Chicago and Nashville and won both games. And Grubauer was out of his mind awesome in the second game. In in Nashville, got that shutout, and then um Took over from there. 11 games in March with a 9.55 save percentage, went 7, 2, and 1. Gave up just 15 goals in those 11 starts. Now, compare that to January when he gave up 16 goals in four starts.
2: Yikes. Yeah, we didn't ever really see the consistent Grubauer, did we? We saw completely on fire out of his mind Grubauer and couldn't be worse Grubauer. So we're still not totally sure what he is. Right. Well,
1: and then he goes into the postseason where there were lots of question marks because you know he had started the postseason the year before with Washington. Yeah. And two games in got pulled, had an eight thirty seven save percentage in in four postseason games in his Washington career. Now again, just four games, but an eight thirty five save percentage in the playoffs. Goaltenders, especially this is especially true for goaltenders. Uh, make their make their reputations in the playoffs. And last year, he in twelve playoff games for the Avalanche, he had a nine twenty five save percentage, two point three goals against average, and a fifty eight point three quality start percentage, which is good. It's not great, but that's I mean seven quality starts out of twelve playoff games, and he had seven wins. Huh funny how that adds up <laughs> right so interesting interesting numbers for grubauer uh i think he slowed down just a touch just a touch in uh in the uh in the in the playoffs but not so much so that it gives you any pause for concern and hey i mean a 920. he goes from a 917 in the regular season to a 925 in the in the playoffs i'll take that if if grubauer can just find the consistency next season, Colorado's goaltending. The same way with Winnipeg with Hellebuck, there's a bunch of upside there. They could be high-level starters.
2: Yeah, absolutely, if if they prove that they're they're capable. I, I agree. I think, especially in the Sharks series, Grubauer looked much more mortal, but he was solid. There weren't any games that really stood out to me throughout the playoffs where I was like, Grubauer lost us this game.
1: Definitely. There were some games where it was iffy. But yeah. there were enough problems going on around him in those games as well that it right. it wasn't like, Oh
2: my god. Exactly. And and that was compared to January was a, a whole different oh world. God. So <laughs> Yeah, nothing will top that
1: road trip where they went to Winnipeg and Calgary back to back and outplayed both teams by ten thousand miles <laughs> and gave up twelve goals and lost both games.
2: There were way too many games last year like that, and games where they scored six goals and lost. It's
1: just yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and they they played well, and they would score three or four goals offensively. Where you're like, okay, you score you score four goals in an NHL game, you should win the vast majority of the time, yeah, definitely. And they were losing. <laughs> it was it was a tough stretch there for a little bit, but. That's how it goes sometimes, especially with goaltending, where you're just sort of hoping for the best at at any given time. That's going to do it for segment number one here, which we got into the goalies. Segment number two, we'll get into the defense. We'll work our way from uh, back to front here. We'll get into the defense, which of the teams in the Central Division got better, which ones got worse, where everybody stands. That's all to come. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We'll be right back.
0: If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Mo's Original Barbecue a try.
1: My favorite thing about Mo's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house made smoked meats, cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have colorado beers on tap all the games on the tvs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue welcome back in segment number two here the bsn avalanche podcast presented by total beverage rudo defense when nobody really seems to know what it is but everybody has strong opinions about it (laughs) for a long time the gold standard in the nhl has been the nashville predators they made a big move this year, giving P.K. Subban away to the New, De- New Jersey Devils for a little more than a song, and put a pretty big dent in the big four that they've been running out there for so many years. They return, obviously, Ryan Ellis, Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, and then the rest of that defense, Steve Santini, Dan Hamhuis, Dante Fabro, Yannick Weber, and Matt Irwin. Some combination of those eight guys are likely to make up the bulk of the minutes for Nashville this year. How much of a a loss was Subban from that Predators defense? It's a big loss.
2: It it certainly matters. They're running a a big three now instead of a big four straight up. If you believe in Dante Fabro's abilities, which I'm not a huge believer in his game, you might see a little bit more upside there, but he's the only real legitimate prospect they have. Everyone else is pretty much, they are what they are. With that said, their defense was so good with PK that even without him, they're probably still one of the top defenses in the division.
1: I think that they probably are the top defense. I mean, the high end is just so high.
2: I, I agree with you. I think it's, that in December, it could be a different story. But <laughs> I agree, but... I mean, when you start with Roman
1: Yosi alone, yeah. Roman Yosi, and then Matias eckholm has been a great defender for years, and the offense is just—it's—it's so, it's been there in spurts, but last year dropped forty-four points on on the league. That's that's the real deal, man. And then Ryan Ellis also forty points. He got three defenders who have forty points coming back. Uh, that's regardless of whatever else they have. That's no joke. The high end there. Is what I think makes them the real deal.
2: Absolutely, I, I agree. They're the most talented decor as a whole, probably in the league. And then you do add
1: in, you know, Dante Fabro, first round pick, and a guy like Hamhuis who's been around the block, but he's had a long, effective career. Santini, who's kind of been hanging around with the Devils for a while. Irwin and Weber, who cares? Yeah, but- right the that top 3 is really what makes them the scary entity that they are. We'll talk about why they got rid of PK next second <laughs> when we get yeah. into uh when we get into the Matt Duchesne stuff, but for now I would still have Nashville at the top, but for the first time in a long time, I don't think the gap between 1 and 2 is is very big and to be honest,
2: I might have to go with Colorado at number 2. No, I'm with you, 100%. Uh, given what Kale McCarr showed in the playoffs, it's a huge boon to to the Avalanche being the number two defense in the league. They have Zadorov still. They have EJ still. Obviously, Cole is injured, but you have the potential for Byram there. Guys like Rosen will see... You also have Sam Gerrard, who has become super solid for the abs. There's mm-hmm. there's very few guys with downside on on the abs decor right now, and there is a huge amount of potential upside.
1: That's that's the big separating factor between uh, Dallas and Colorado for me, yeah. because Dallas, I think, has a really solid top three exactly. with Klingberg, Haskinen, and Lindell. Yep. But after that, it gets into a lot of question marks, and I don't know that the upside is there. And with Colorado, you're talking about, you know, Haskin is, is,
2: could be, could be amazing, but he's matched by Kale McCarr. Right. And then you, you back that up with a Sam Gerrard, potentially a Bowen Byram. Yeah. And, and you're, you're running some upside that I don't think any other team in the division has on their defense. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And, and Eric Johnson, you can't count him out. I know a
1: lot of people thought, oh, last year he was awful. I think that's been overstated a little bit. I think it's fair to say he took a step back. Yeah, I, but I don't, I don't think-, think he was. A, I don't think he was atrocious. I don't think he was a detriment. I think he just he took a step back, and he was also playing in a role he's not played since his early
2: twenties when he was just a baby breaking in with St. Louis. Right. It's it's definitely the start of a, a transitional period for him where. Realistically, you would like your top pairing at least by the end of this year to be Gerard and and McCarr or some form of that. With EJ probably playing more of a middle pairing role. And that's, I mean, that's if the <laughs> right. EVS
0: if that's the EVS decide trend. to
1: go YOLO and they roll out an opening night top pairing of Gerard McCarr and then Zadorov and Johnson as their quote unquote second pairing. Right. That's the reason I have them right behind Nashville.
2: Exactly, I'm I'm with you there, 100. percent They're the number two, and like I said, if Byram shows up and plays out of his minds and and sticks on the roster, or if Rosen oh hits and, and it turns out as a legitimate NHL defenseman, they
0: mm-hmm. very
2: easily could be number one in the division by December. And and that's because they have they have the kind of depth that
1: is enviable that that teams don't usually have on bottom pairings. Typically, you're choosing between a lot of bad choices. You look at Dallas for an example. Is is still running out? You know, Roman Polak. They got Andre Saquera as as a maybe. This guy can finally do it. You know, maybe he's finally healthy and he can get back to his previous form when he was 28 years old. Unlikely, but hey, why not? Why not find out? Um, but the upside on Dallas's defense, and Dallas is the team I have third, which is why I bring them up like this. Um, but the, the upside just isn't there. It's a lot of it's it's not a lot, but a handful of limited upside or older guys, and I just don't see them having quite the same horses, same reliability, the same depth, the same quality of depth as Colorado, and I think that's the separator. Their their high end might be better today, but by the end of the season, with a, a full NHL year with Kale McCarr, I think Colorado will certainly be on the same level in the high end. And then Bo and Byram could, you know, we don't know. We don't know. That's a total X factor. But the quality of Colorado's depth is what I have them have, why I have them separated from Dallas. Uh and then and then I have Minnesota right there as well, right next to, to Dallas, a little bit behind Colorado. And again, high end.
0: Yeah. Suter,
2: Dumba, Spurgeon, Brodeen, like that's a really solid top four. I might even slide Minnesota in ahead of Dallas right now. Dallas which, has the in the the Lindell, the younger guys that that mm-hmm. Minnesota doesn't have, but but they have super solid, easily proven NHL defense through their whole top four.
1: Which hey, I have I have no bones. If you want to rate Minnesota ahead of Dallas, that's fine. I've got Minnesota just right behind them. So
2: yeah, I mean it's close, right? If you if you're rating for for future potential, I I don't think Minnesota is third. If you if you really do believe in Hayskinen, which I do. Uh, so it's totally fair to have them either way. Um, the problem that Minnesota is going to face is that they're paying all these guys a ton of money. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, Spurgeon, a free agent in a year, but a suitor obviously making his $7.5 million until the end of time. Yeah, um, Dumba making $6 million. I really have no issues with that. I think Matt Dumba's really, really good. Yeah, Um, just was hurt last year. Uh, But otherwise, that's a that's a dude that he's their own Tyson Berry, but I think better defensively.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Dumba's Dumba's probably their best defenseman, to be honest. Suter, very, very good, but he's not getting any younger. For sure.
1: And with Suter's game, though, uh, it's never it's never been built on physical tools as much as insane
2: hockey IQ. Yeah, he he plays very smart, very conservative hockey. He he'll be just fine into old age. But when you break like every bone in your foot, like you did a couple of years ago, that doesn't help
1: for sure. But I mean, you still look at him, and the guy's still rocking. Forty-seven points last year, fifty-one the year before. He's still doing his thing. Um, still ultra productive, huge minute muncher for them. He just keeps he just keeps rolling for them. Uh, and and makes them competitive uh, right. in, in that aspect of the game. Their forward core is a disaster. We'll talk about that later, uh, in which I will express much more glee. The bottom part of their lineup, yeah. Greg Pattern is a guy I actually like. I've always thought he was just a touch underrated. Um I but think he's worth two and a quarter million. I, but. <laughs> I don't either, but as a third-pairing guy, I think he's fine. Uh, yeah. Nick Sealer and Brad Hunt, I actually liked what Hunt did in Vegas. Uh, and I think that's a that's a nice little value play for them because he's a he's a rotational guy who's kind of like Mark Barberio. He can get in there and, and chip in points here and there uh, and give you some OK minutes as like a seventh or eighth rotational cat. Uh, Nick Sealer doesn't do anything for me. He never has. I think he's terrible.
2: Yeah. So their, their whole lineup is a built off of guys that are like they are solid. These are solid yeah. players. They don't have anyone. Dumba maybe gets close, but they don't really have anyone that's like this guy is is one of the top D men in the league.
1: Yeah, I think uh Spurgeon is is really underrated. He's a guy that produces a lot of points, but Dumba's their he's their lightning rod. He's their electric guy. Yeah. Their potential high-end talent that could be awesome. Right. Uh but a solid defense there. And then you get you get down below those teams and it's it's just a
2: whole lot of you. Yeah. I, after that, I I for me, it's pick your poison between Winnipeg and, and St. Louis. I guess you could you could give it to St. Louis because they are the cup champs and all Petrangelo and yeah. Pareko is a very, very strong top two. But right. Bo 35 now. I've never been a big fan of Gunnarsson or Bortuzzo's game and then I know nope. you hate Vince Dunn so <laughs> I, can't, I can't stand Vince Dunn man <laughs> Like he he can
1: score man he has got some he's got real offensive talent but defensively that guy sucks Right And it's, I don't I don't know that he's as good as Barry was offensively and I think he's worse defensively So
2: that's how I feel about Vince Dunn so, yeah, I mean, that's, besides their big two and, and Petrangelo, who only has one year left on his deal, and Pareko, it their bottom four D is just all question marks for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and, and Petrangelo and Pareko, because they're both righties, uh, right, play on different play pairings. Right, they play together,
2: exactly. So they don't have, like, one really strong yeah. pairing. Yeah, they've got
1: half of a really good pairing, and and the other half of that is hope, uh, in the form that right. J. Bo Meester just continues to to defy father time. I think he had a nice bounce back year last year. It was, it was okay. Yeah. Um, but expecting that to move forward, oof, it's, it's ambitious. And all these guys, I mean, I, I don't understand what the point of, of Derek Pouliot is. Nope. Uh, Jordan Schmaltz has never shown an ability to be in equality quality uh, Joel Edmondson is still unsigned as an RFA and he's okay. Like he's, he's a fine middle pairing guy that I don't mind that much. Uh, but he's he always battles injury issues, and his the there's a lot of variance in his play that drives me crazy and keeps me from from saying he's a real top four guy. He's a guy that can play top four when he's playing well, but I don't I, I I'm with you. I don't love St. Louis's defense. It's why I didn't think they would make the playoffs last year. Was the combination of goaltending and defense really I think is a big problem for them. And then Jordan Biddington made me look bad, so. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guy. Um, I'm. I have no. I have no feeling whatsoever if they can run that back or how it'll go in year two of this grand experiment of theirs. Uh, I, I'm afraid to say anything about them just because I was so horrifically wrong last year. I would put them ahead of Chicago just because they're the Cup champs and hey, give them give them that credit. Chicago on paper, I think their defense looks a lot better. Uh, if you if you break up their their pairings. It's basically all lefty. Yeah. But if you, if you break them up in such a way that Brent Seabrook is on their third pairing and you go with Gustafson and Keith uh, and then DeHaan and Murphy and then Mata and, and Seabrook, then I think you have a pretty solid and dynamic defense first pairing through third pairing. Um, a little bit of offense on each pairing, uh, a little bit of defense on each pairing. And then Seabrook who just sucks.
2: Yeah. I, you're you're really banking on Gustafson to be the guy he was last year again if he's not then their defense is in big trouble
1: yeah well and and even then Gustafson's defense last year was bad right but you, you live with bad defense because he put up 60 points he scored 17 goals this is a dude that has 22 goals in his career and 17 of them came last season I mean it's a what in the world?
2: Yeah. He, like he's he always been a guy that can, it, well
1: and it did. This is always <laughs> a dude that's been able to produce points and, and has been looked at as an offensive defenseman, but 17 goals. That's going to be real hard for him to do again.
2: Yeah. It, it's pretty outrageous. And like you said, if his production drops to 40 points, he's still solid, but this is a defense with, they're paying a ton of guys and some of them aren't that great. It's hard to fit in all the pieces. You're looking at paying your bottom pairing nearly $10 million if you go with a Seabrook and Mata. So they need him to be good <laughs> because if he's not, then their whole defense is just a mess.
1: Yeah. I I mean, and, and if, if Duncan Keith slows down at all, they're in yep. real trouble. Because his ability to defy time continues to be a huge boon for them. Uh but at, at thirty five, man, you expect at some point. I say thirty five, he turns thirty six this week. Not so getting younger. Thirty six next year. I mean, that's you're you're really, really hoping on a guy not falling apart on you.
2: Yeah, it's uh, just it was just a weird off season for them in the whole Cause they went out and got yeah. a Dahan Han and Amada and you're looking Which at made them better. Yeah. It but did then, make them better. But. And, and
1: I love, like I said earlier, I'd love the Leonard move. Uh, but then, but then you buoy that you give up Yoki Haryu, who was their, their top NHL ready prospect. Even if you didn't like his upside that much, he was ready to go. And instead, they're they're running back Carl Dahlstrom, Slater Cuckoo on as their rotational cats. Uh,
2: uh. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's just it's paper thin, and it's costing them a ton of money. That the house of cards could so easily collapse on them. It's a twenty eight million dollar
1: defense. Yep. To be to be that bad. Right. Twenty the eight million don't add up
2: there for sure.
1: For comparison, Colorado's nine defensemen
2: currently are making 19 million combined. I mean, even Nashville, who arguably has one of the besties in the league, is paying their 19 million. Right, and and you're paying 28 million for this, man. Yeah,
1: you're. (laughs) They're paying. They're paying like maximum monies. And that's that's with, you know, like, oh, well, the abs have ELCs. Eric Gustafson, 60 points, he's making 1.2 million. Yep. So they're paying out the nose for guys like and and they're all they all have term. Murphy, Mata, Dehan, Keith, and Seabrook all have a minimum of three years remaining.
2: That's Mata this is their too. defense. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's They're stuck with this, you know, unless someone bails them out, like always seems to happen. But
1: (laughs) what's really weird is that they they've invested so many of their draft picks on defensemen. Yeah. And, you know, one of them was Yoki Haru and Ian Mitchell and Adam Bulkfist, Nick Bodan. Both of those guys are. You know, Bulkfist and Bowden, they're both going to push for time at some point. In the next three years, while they're still
2: paying five of these guys, Boquist sooner than that, probably. Boquist probably this year, realistically. Yeah. So, it's they've made a they've made a mess for themselves, and and we'll see how long they can sweep it under the rug, but it's coming. Well, and then you have the Winnipeg Jets, who
1: some of this is a victim of circumstance because it's Winnipeg. Yeah. Jacob Truba just couldn't be there anymore, and it was the last year of him being an RFA. They were facing losing him for nothing. Uh, this was kind of their Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. They they got backed into a corner with a player they absolutely wanted to keep, uh, but who just flat out didn't want to be there anymore. Uh, so they dealt him. They didn't get much in the way of a return. A first-round pick, and uh, Neil Pionk, who sucks. And. <laughs> It's it, that, that's a bummer. Like that's, that's a huge hole in the lineup right off the top. Dustin Bufflin's a year older. His play is increasingly inconsistent. Uh Dustin Bufflin's a guy when he was putting up 40, 50 points, easily worth it. Last year only played 42 games, but scored 31 points. So if he could stay healthy and continue to produce at that rate, he's worth all the other issues that he brings to the table. And was really productive in their playoff series. I had eight points in six games uh, against St. Louis. So when he's healthy and and right, he's still an impact guy for them, but he doesn't have that insulation anymore. Josh Morrissey, really good young defenseman. I think he's a guy that is ready for a big breakout, but again, got to stay healthy.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, they're pretty much looking at playing, Morrissey with Buck Bufflin on their top pair, right? It, yeah, unless you want to do the Kulikov thing, which Kulikov is not really a top no. pairing defenseman,
1: he's not uh, really an NHL defenseman, and yet there he is.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it kind of reminds me of Minnesota's situation, but worse. They have a bunch of these guys like uh, Morrissey. Okay, maybe there's some upside there, but he has to reach it. Beaulieu is fine, he'll. he'll slot in on your defense and not hurt you, but he's not yeah. going to do a ton for you. It's not much of a feather in your cap, but he's right. also not a huge net negative. Right. And, and I think even Kulikov, if you're putting him on your bottom pair is fine. It's not great, but. I wouldn't even do that.
1: I think he's awful now, but that's okay. Um, Hey, I, I like Sammy Niko a lot, and I think Sammy Niko could be a real sleeper for them, but he's got to do it. He's got to yeah. prove it. Two They've, two really good AHL seasons now. It's time to it's
2: time to it's time to take the next step for him. They're really banking on either him or maybe a, a Logan Stanley to to have a breakout year and, and prove something to help round them out a little bit. And I wouldn't bank on it in Stanley's case. <laughs> yeah, I.
1: I remember when Logan Stanley got drafted. Uh, I was hanging out uh, at a draft, well, one of our draft parties, actually in 2016. It was, I think, our first draft party for BSN. And Cole Hamilton and I just kind of giggled because <laughs> we were curious who was going to make the big mistake on Logan Stanley, and when it was Winnipeg, we were like, nah. And uh, so far, Logan Stanley hadn't done anything to make us feel differently. I have no idea what is what what their plan is for him next year. But I think he's got a long way to go to be an impact player in the NHL. Uh, but, but Bufflin and Morrissey gives them a top pairing, a top pairing that you don't, you don't like fall in love with, but it's solid. It's a top pairing. I can live with that. It's everything after that. That's a real mess for me. Yeah.
2: It, I think he'll get by, I don't think they have the problem that Chicago has unless they lose Bufflin, but if they lose Bufflin, they're in deep trouble, but if they lose anyone else, eh, they'll be okay. Yeah.
1: And and like, that's a, that's an important disclaimer that you can apply to most teams where if you lose your top guy, you're probably in trouble. Yeah. That's what makes Nashville and Colorado's defense. I think so different. Right. Is you that lose one guy? It's not the end of the world. Right. It's, it's okay. Like, Minnesota and Dallas to a lesser extent same thing like they can each suffer like one loss one injury where they're like okay you can live with this one and with Colorado it's mostly just that who's the top guy <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> yeah, like if, if they lose EJ and it's like okay um well I don't I don't know I don't I don't know what's that, you know. I don't know, I don't know who the top yeah, guy you, would be, but
2: you see that in Cole already. They lost Cole and it's not a question of how to re how do we replace him, it's a question of which guy replaces him. Right.
1: Like which like pick your poison there because there's so many different options. Yeah. one of which is the freaking fourth overall pick. <laughs> so to say that they've got some depth there, um accurate. Accurate. Yep. Yeah. Let's go ahead and uh, wrap that up for the second segment here. I need to uh, I need to tell you guys about. I know I know you guys are waiting for the read. It's not coming yet, but I do got I do get to tell you guys about a really awesome deal for you, the BSN listener. You already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado, but now they're delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area, from Wheat Ridge to Erie. Plus, they are now offering CBD products. That's right. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Me personally, big fan of the gummies. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering 20% off your purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN20 to save 20% off and have it delivered to your door. That's Total Bev. We are the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev, and we will be right back. Welcome into the third and final segment of the Wednesday edition of the BSN Avalanche podcast. Rudo, we've talked about goalies and defensive groups in the Central Division and now we're going to talk about forward groups and beginning with the bottom feeders. I don't think this is a very difficult one. It's got to be Minnesota.
2: Yeah, it's not even that close. Their their forward core just doesn't make any sense and to be honest, it's just not that good. They actively made moves at last deadline to make their forward core worse to get younger. And that's all well and good. And then they go out and sign a 31 year old Matt Zuccarello for five years in the off season. And he's a good player. He'll work for them in their top six, but it doesn't line up with not only their lineup, but their game plan here. And they're stuck with a bunch of hodgepodge pieces. Yes. They still have Zach Parise, who is very good for them and solid, But beyond that, they have Jason Zucker, but supposedly they're looking to move on from him. And then you have a Koivu who Father Time is caught up with. You have a Rask who is way overpaid for what he's produced. You have a 34-year-old Eric Stahl. You went out and got Ryan Hartman because reasons. I I just can't make any sense of it.
1: It's interesting because right now I think their top six is something like Parise, Stahl, Zuccarello, uh, Zucker, Koivu, and Fiala. Right. And and like, bleh. Yeah. Know, Zach Parise is coming off of his second best season since signing that contract. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah, his best year came in 2014-15 when he had 62 points. Last year, he had 61. Also, he has yet to play 82 games in a single season since joining the Minnesota Wild.
2: Yeah.
1: And, um, I mean, it's okay. But all the injuries, when he's healthy, he's he's still a good player, but he's not an elite player. Uh, Eric Stahl, after his weird career renaissance, took a m- pretty big step back again last year dropping from 42 goals to 22 goals and 76 points to 52 points. Uh, yeah. 34 years old. I don't know why you would continue to believe that this is a, a high-end producer for you. And Victor Rask and Miku Koivu are, are going to be fighting for the job. Miku Koivu had 29 points last year.
2: Yeah, he was hurt pretty significantly as well, but yeah. he's been trending in the wrong direction for, for a couple of years now. Rask, Showed some good promise in the in the start of his career. He had a couple of 40-point seasons, but it's yeah. just all come apart at the seams for him these past couple of years. Following up
1: with that nine-point season he just had last year, yeah. why would you want – so you have a guy with what had a, a – what did I say, Kwego had 29 points? Yeah, yeah, 29 points or nine points. Those are the two guys fighting for your 2C job on opening night. Uh, you have a first-round pick in Erickson who. Hadn't done anything. You think Tyson Jones yeah, is a bust? Uh, you're hoping Ericksonek figures it out. Yeah. <laughs> desperately. He's he's done nothing. Uh, and then you know your bottom your bottom group there uh, probably includes Victor Rask and and Marcus Fellino hasn't done anything. No, uh, like he's he's fine. He's he's like their Matt Nieto, I guess, like a big super sized Matt Nieto. Um, but my point is that's a bottom six player and Ryan Hartman, you mentioned they, they signed for reasons. This is a guy that's bounced around, uh, looked like he was going to be a super solid guy for the Blackhawks and it, you know, he had one 31 point season and gets traded the next year to, to Nashville, Nashville moved him last year at the deadline to Philly and Philly had no interest in bringing him back. So clearly that's going really well for him. Uh, a 24 yeah, year old that's now been on—he's been a part of four organizations in the last two years. You got
2: to wonder what's up there. This is just not a good forward core. It just isn't. It. Other than the Zuccarello move, every move they've made in the past six months has made it worse. And yes, it did get it a little bit younger.
1: And that I understood when they were getting sure. it younger. You know, downgrading from. Uh, Grandland
2: to Fiala and getting younger. I got that. Embrace the tank and and start the rebuild a little right. bit. Right for don't sure. Follow all of that up and then sign Zuccarello. Sign for, Matt five for five years. Like
1: that's. I just. I don't. I don't know what they're trying to do. Uh, it just. It doesn't make any sense to me. And some of their. You know their top. Their top prospects guys. They've used picks on. You know high picks. Uh, Luke cunning Hadn't hadn't turned out into much. Um, can't can't carve out a job with them, despite them having no center depth, as we just talked about. Um, Jordan Greenway, who so much was expected of, because he was this hulking monstrosity of a guy in college, uh, it it turns out the guy that struggled to score at a point per game pace in college is struggling to to
2: produce at all in the NHL. It's yeah, I, I don't actually mind Greenway, but again, Greenway could just do Hartman's job, right?
1: Right. It, the, the problem is, is like, okay, maybe you have like low end NHL players here. Um, yeah. You know, Ryan Donato was a guy that, that came in last year and randomly ripped off 16 points in 22 games. And all of a sudden yep. it was like, oh, that's the guy that Boston thought they were getting. But Boston, I mean, he, he showed up to Boston, scored nine points in 12 games and then came completely back to earth last year with nine points in 34 games before the trade. So yep. is that just another hot shot? I mean, Sven Androgetto had 16 points in nine, his first 19 games as an half. You know why? Christ. Why? Small, small
2: sample size for
1: sure. Right. These guys, these guys, especially on losing, you know, losing teams or teams that aren't playing for a lot. And these guys are playing for everything in terms of their careers. And in, in the second half of seasons, And small samples can get really hot and look good. But, you know, what do they have really? And right now, there's just, there's nothing. I mean, nothing in their organization outside of when they
2: just drafted Matt Boldy. That's that's high end. Yeah, it it doesn't feel like they really have any top six talent. And that's. That's it. Like bad news. We're talking about these guys. Like I like Donato and Greenway and
1: Cunning and Eric Eck and and like, okay, great. You know, that's all right. We'll see. But you know, they signed Nico Sturm, who was one of the top college UFAs last year. You know, we'll, we'll see, but none of these guys really project
2: as like high end. Is, top four is this just what happens when you get stuck in the calgary zone or i guess you could call it the minnesota zone now where you're just an average team that makes the first round of the playoffs and and you have to pick 16th to 20th every year i sure i mean i think more than anything
1: it's the money that they've spent poorly that's doomed them Uh, the draft picks haven't helped Obviously, not getting, you know, not getting quality NHL players out of your first round picks is going to hurt. But, you know, they had, they've had some hits. They've had, you know, Jason Zucker was a nice hit. I, of course, that's like 10 years ago. But they, they've committed so much money to to aging players. You know, right, like- and Zuccarello and Koivu and, and Stahl suitor yes just I don't I don't I don't know man I'm I think they're bad I don't get it either yeah (laughs) I think they're bad and yep I don't I think their defense is solid enough and their goaltending like we've talked about in the show that's that's good enough to buoy them and keep them competitive and from totally bottoming out but one or two injuries and this could be a
2: real thing they they always get by they play that Super sloggy, shut down, boring style of hockey that they grind out games and beat you three to two just barely. But that was with a forward core that was better than it is going to be this season. Yeah,
1: that's, I mean, that was with Grandlin and that was with Charlie Coyle and and Nito Nita Ryder and those guys are all gone and they, none of those positions have been upgraded. Yep. So, um, I'm at a loss and we've spent nine minutes just on them. So uh, let's move on. Winnipeg, I think is an interesting group. Uh, I think I love their high end Wheeler, Shifley uh, line a Ehlers, Connor Roslevic. I really love their top six. I don't like anything else.
2: Yeah, pretty much. They're, they're definitely top heavy. And for this year, I think it'll be solid. Uh, you've talked about this a b- bit in the past, but a lot of it comes down to Line. A. It, it, you know, if he's not disappearing on them, mm-hmm. then they can be a powerhouse.
1: Definitely. But- if he's a if he's a legitimate threat to score a goal every single night, they're scary. Uh, but if he's yep. gonna be like last season, you know, he scored 17 of his 30 goals in November. That's thir- that's a 13 goal season throughout the rest of the year. That's not scary. That doesn't scare anybody. That's JT Yeah. <laughs>
2: Right. And and so they're another team that isn't super young. They do have line a and Connor and eelers, mm-hmm. So that's a bit more than Minnesota has maybe at least for high end young talent. Definitely. But oh, that, they definitely have we, Minnesota beat there. Right. But Wheeler's 32 their depth. You're getting into guys like Brian little and Matthew Perot. Yeah. It's, they they need their next wave very very soon and it, it doesn't seem like it's quite there It's got
1: to be Roslovic and Veselinin taking major steps forward and and really breaking through on that roster uh to yeah. to to provide them with some help uh in terms of quality depth and and potential high end players. Kind of a similar position that I have where I have St. Louis where I really like their top 6, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, um uh Schwartz, Shen, Bozak, Robert Thomas, David Perron really like a lot of those guys, but the, the high, high end of it, uh, it's just, it's not there. You know, Tarasenko had a 68 point year last year. Ryan O'Reilly had a huge aberration of an offensive season in his career at 77 points. And that's, I mean, 77 points is a, that's a great year. But when you're looking up at at some of the other what some of the other horses in this division are running out there uh seventy seven points doesn't that's that not gonna win you a division title no
2: yeah it's it's very solid I think even down through their lineup especially because they have someone like a Robert Thomas to help push other guys down the lineup if he performs yeah I think they are solid but I don't see greatness on the roster yeah and
1: it really underscores what's absurd about the run that they just went on and the fact that they just won the cup I mean it's crazy man um it's it's honestly it's nuts to me because uh this this is like a this
2: is a good forward core
1: this is a good forward core but it's not great it's it's deep and it's and it's fast and it's skilled you know guys like Robbie Fabry I like uh I like Barbashev and Sundquist as as bottom six players uh, Simi Blaze is fun, like and and Robert Thomas, like I mentioned, I, you have to love Robert Thomas. Like he's a yeah, he's 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 a real real interesting player. When you want to talk about potentially high end guys, Uh and he's yeah. only just getting started, so a, an intriguing roster, good forward core, deep forward core, proven guys. Just not a it's it's like a lot of it's building like a lot of like fifty point guys, like forty and fifty point guys together. Uh, and then with right. Tarasenko as I think your true high end talent there. And Tarasenko's great, but uh, that's, you know, he's never
2: been a huge point guy. He's just a 30 goal guy. Just a 30 goal guy. Heaven forbid. Yeah. And right. Yeah. I, he's very good at the one thing he does, but it's mm-hmm. this is the type of lineup where, especially for a team like the Avs, you just play your bottom six less and say, we're just going to run our top line and run you over.
1: It Pretty much. I mean, that's, you know, and and the abs struggled last year with a team like St. Louis because they were as deep at forward as they are. And that's exactly why Colorado had the summer that they had is because they said, Hey, we were losing those third and fourth line matchups, especially the fourth line. By the time they got down to Sheldon dries and Gabe Bork, they weren't competing with anybody in the NHL anymore. And right. they the depth that they added this year should be able to their their Colorado's combination of high end talent and depth is why they're ahead of a team as deep as St. Louis, in my opinion, uh, when we're just talking about the forwards here.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm with you there. You, you just have to get by with the bottom six here mm-hmm. if you have the high end talent because St. Louis doesn't. And that's this is this is the same
1: as uh, this is this is also why I have Dallas in front of St. Louis is because I like Dallas's high end more than I like St. Louis's high end, uh, but I do same. like I do like the St. Louis depth, and and I do I would like to say though that we're getting into groups like four like position groups that I think are really good, and so it's it's yeah. not like I'm I don't feel I don't want people thinking I'm disparaging St. Louis they're really deep one through 14. And I really like what they've built at the forward position. Uh, I think it's the best the by far. The best part of their team is that depth.
2: Yep. This is just the Thunderdome division where everyone's really, really good, except for Minnesota. Right,
1: <laughs> Straight up, man, like that. We have Winnipeg down where we have them is crazy because they've had their high end has been really high. You know, Blake Wheeler has been one of the most productive right wings over the last five years in the entire NHL.
2: Like, yeah, there's no he's coming
1: off back to back 90 point seasons like Blake Wheeler's high end has been really, really high end.
2: Right. It and that's the, the sixth best forward core in, in the division. There's no free passes yeah. here. You don't, we don't get the, the Ottawa's or and that's, the Edmonton. And again,
1: with Winnipeg, it's purely about depth because their bottom six is basically non-existent anymore after what happened uh, over the summer. Yep. Moving moving up, I, I've i got Dallas, man, because they, they do have that high end and they've got a little bit of depth and they've got some upside. We don't know who what some of these guys are going to be. But throwing Sagan, Ben Radulov, which was a great top line, and then adding in uh, Joe Pavelski and and Corey Perry, the 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 upside there is obvious. Those guys defy the age. Uh, Perry comes back; he's fully healthy this year. Recaptures some of that scoring form that that you know. I mean, they called him Scory Perry for a reason, and gives them gives them high quality minutes it gives them great production same with Joe Pavelski continues to be a 60 70 point guy 30 goal guy and and just makes Dallas deeper Rupe Hintz is a guy who had a huge breakout in the postseason last year and could be their second line center this year
2: yeah I mean that's the one big question they have right can can Hintz step up into that second line C role or are they just going to YOLO Joe Pavelski into that second line C role Mm -hmm. that's the one spot that that they're missing why they're not higher on the list for me. I uh, like their bottom six
1: because I think it's very yeah. specific in terms of the types of role players that they have. They've got good role players, uh, guys, guys like uh, Matias Mark play Como, Andrew Cogliano, solid, solid, solid. Yeah. If Martin Hansel's ever healthy, he's made an entire career out of being that guy. Roddick Foxa is a guy that I liked for the Selkie trophy two years ago.
2: So yeah, it's a ton of guys that can go out and give you quality minutes. They're not going to you know, be high end for you, but but you can throw them out there and not worry at all.
1: Yeah, they're they're solid guys that know how to play in the roles they're being asked to play in, which is very valuable. Uh, I, I, I liken them to what Colorado has at that position in the bottom six, where it's like good role players that know how to be good role players. And yep. and they just don't have quite the same high end as the abs. Uh, but I think it's pretty close. Uh, and then i've got I've got Chicago after that,
2: yeah, i I struggled with where to play Chicago, but i I had him right about here as well. It I mean, obviously patrick kane is is one of the best forwards in the league. Yeah, can't really talk anything about that. They have a Debrin cat. Mm-hmm. They have a bit of a question mark in Strom if he repeats what he did for them. That's definitely a huge, huge boon for them. yeah, Taves too. I mean, yeah, Taves had a much better year. I mean, Taves went from fifty-two points to
1: eighty-one points, which was a career high for him. Taves, Taves had a career year last year, uh, and and it was only the second time in his career he'd broken seventy points. So right. So if if that's gonna be a thing, if that's who he's going to be again, uh, having Kane who had hundred points, one hundred and ten points, and Taves, and then Strom who was a point per game as as a center for them, uh, you know Brandon Saad to print cat all these guys that you mentioned like these that's super explosive at the top. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, they might add Kirby doc to this opening night uh, roster. They already signed him to his ELC and Artem clearly isn't getting the job done uh, like he was, although he
2: did have it like
1: a solid year last year. They're looking for help there.
2: Yeah. I'm curious how they fit in Shaw as well. Because yeah, that was kind of a getting the band back together thing for them. And then Shaw just had a great career year uh, in Montreal. Mm-hmm. But but he's also a guy that gets hurt every year. That. Yeah. And, and Chicago doesn't have the room to give him that much opportunity either. I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I don't love their bottom six, but, you know, they went out and I think they addressed that to some extent with a guy like Shaw. Uh, and and yeah, Anisimov and Brian Carpenter, I really, really like as a fourth line guy. Um, just was solid, pesky, very effective for Vegas. Uh, Brandon Perlini is a guy that, that was okay for Chicago last year. Uh, former first rounder has a little bit of talent and David camp, I think sucks. So I'm not worried about him. Uh, same thing with Drake, Drake Gajula. i'm I'm not, I don't think he's any good, so I'm not worried about any of that, but uh, don't love their love. I love what they have at the top. It's very good. Uh, I really don't like their bottom six. I think it's a big work in progress. Although, uh, Shaw is certainly, uh, a step in the right direction there for, for quality.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think they have a, a ton of injury depth either really at the forward position. So. It dries up really quickly. Like, uh, I mean unless
1: you really believe in Alex Nylander. Yeah, like like Dylan Sakura was was interesting, Alex Nylander will be in that conversation. Um I I boy after that though, uh oh, oh, Alexi yeah. Sorella, the guy that they got uh from Carolina was he's a re- he's been a really really good AHL player the last couple of years for the Charlotte Checkers. Uh could be could be a dark horse for them. But that's that's a big question mark. You know, they got John Quinville a former first rounder who hasn't done anything in the NHL. They just seem to be loading up kind of like the abs were a few years ago loading up on former top prospects that haven't broken through with other organizations and giving them opportunity and saying, hey, we have openings, yep. come take them uh, throw a bunch of darts did not did not work very well for for the no. abs. And you know, there's a reason those guys wash out of their original organizations. Rarely do those guys find second life elsewhere. Um, What happened with Strom was an anomaly, not a norm. So that's, that's why I think um, Chicago again, bottom six just doesn't do it for me. Um, And then, and then I think you get to the big guns at the top. Yeah. Again,
2: I think it's it's Colorado and Nashville. Yeah. I, I even give Colorado the edge here. Uh, Obviously, the only reason Nashville is, is this close is Matt Duchesne. Yep. Um, he still might fall into that, can he really be the 1C that they've been looking for? And I don't know if the answer to that is a definitive yes. Yeah. But I think he is, it gives them silly depth at center to go one, two, three of Duchesne, Johansson, and Taurus in, in any order that's you don't want to be playing against those second and third lines with them at sea right and
1: you know there was a 50 game stretch last year we had 58 points for uh Ottawa that was yeah. the best stretch of his career because the before that playing in Ottawa you know 49 points in 68 games like hey it's not it's not you're not shaking a stick at that but that's that's a 59 point season and then he went to Columbus last year and, you know, 12 points in, in 23 games in the regular season, you're a 43 point player. Now he had 10 points in 10 playoff games, uh, but that's, you know, that's that's just as small a sample size that we're talking about with that success as it was uh, with him, 12 points in 23 games for Columbus. We don't know what he's going to be in Nashville. Is he a 70 point guy? He's only, he's, he's
2: done that twice in his career now after last season. Yeah, he he did the same thing on the avs for years. When he's hot, he is absolutely one of the top centers in the league. Yeah. When he's cold, he's a 2C at best. He's he <laughs> just disappears like crazy. Yeah. It it it's two speeds and and he doesn't know how to do anything else. He can't seem to find the middle ground. He's either on fire or he's frigid.
1: And that moves Ryan Johansson down and Johansson's been Nashville fans always give me flack when I say this, but I I say that he's been just a, just a shade of a disappointment since becoming their one C. And I say that because his best year was
2: last year when he had 64 points. And he's Nashville went out and got him after his, his 71 point season in Columbus. And they thought this is a legitimate one C and
1: well, and he was a big time goal scorer in Columbus. Uh, He had 33 goals and 26 goals. And he hasn't even come within a mile of that since then. He's been much more of a distributor scoring 14, 15 and 14 goals the last three years, but big assist numbers each of those years. Uh, But, but, you wonder, you know, uh, OK, well, now that he's the 2C, what's what's he going to be? Is he going to go back to scoring goals or, you know, is Duchesne going to keep is he going to be in between Forsberg and Arvidsson? And then Johansson drops down and gets uh, Grandland and, and Craig Smith. What what happens with Kyle Turris? as your 3C? The, the center depth theoretically is great, but Kyle Turris has been awful
2: in Nashville. He is not fit in well there at all.
1: Twenty three points last year in fifty five games. I mean, a total mess for him last season in Nashville, suggesting something seriously wrong. So I and and their depth I don't love, but it's really effective, and that's why I have them yeah. where I have them in the division is because you know Nick Benino, Kelly Yarnkruk. I don't love those guys. I uh, Austin Watson, but but they're really effective in the roles that they're asked to play. And they're pretty dang productive when they're
2: healthy. I mean, yeah, the name Colton Sissons strikes fear into all the oh, yeah. fans. Oh, I think so. How can I to be Colton Sissons. <laughs> Seriously. So yeah, they, their depth really does get the job done night in and night out for them in a big, big way. And, and then obviously they run a lot of their, their offense through their defense as well.
1: I Without Duchesne, I would have had them behind Chicago and maybe Dallas. But I think Duchesne alone brings just – that's the the bolt of lightning that that, that group has been absolutely desperate for, for forever, really. And, you know, maybe, maybe it works out. We know Duchesne, like we've talked about, hot and cold, bit of a head case at times. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe he can't handle all the pressure he's going to be under. Uh, especially making eight million dollars a year, but even if he ends up as their two C behind Johansson, I think Duchesne's going to do wonders for them and their scoring balance. Especially removing Subban from the equation, where I don't think you can. I don't. I don't know that you can necessarily have that many points come from your defense at the expense of your forwards. Um, you know them them setting up shop with two defensemen on each of their power play units, probably not how doing them any favors on a terrible power play unit. And I think Duchesne could help them quite a bit there.
2: Yeah. I, this is the problem they've been trying to solve for years now. And I don't know if it ends up working out with Duchene or not in the end, but it's was their best bet on the market and, and it certainly made them a better team significantly. Well, then we get to
1: Colorado who the number one reason they're here is their top line is dominant.
2: Yeah. It just their top line is silly. It just straight up
1: destroys. And then they went out and they got Kadri who's one of the better two C's around. That's an actual like yep. two C and not a one C on a stacked team. Right. Right. Um, yeah. They get Kadri solving their biggest forward problem, which was their second line center. And they go out and they get significantly deeper uh, pushing guys that were in their top nine last year to their fourth line. That's the amount of talent that they brought in uh, to, to help them out. They got, they're going to be better on the penalty kill. They're going to be better all, all uh, all around. They're going to be better offensively. I think, I think it's just all systems go for this avalanche uh, forward core. I
2: think they're going to be a lot better. Right. They made, Four moves, I guess five moves that affected their forward core, and every single move made their forward core better than it was. In Kadri's case, significantly so. Mm-hmm. And and you're buying into some upside on some of their other moves, like Burakovsky. Yeah.
1: In even if it and, doesn't, even if that doesn't pan out too much, having guys like Nieto and Calvert potentially on your fourth line scoring 25 points for you means you have an elite fourth line, which is a weird thing to say. But it matters. You know, all, a
2: rising tide raises all boats. Yep, exactly. That's this forward group is super interesting because I don't have any questions about the top line. Mm-hmm. I don't have any questions about the third and fourth line. I don't have any questions about Kadri. The only question I have is who plays next to Kadri. And... If that isn't Donskoy and Burakovsky, they can still be perfectly solid third line players, and I'm not worried about that. I right.
1: the floor the, the what they did is they built a really high floor to go with their really high ceiling. Exactly. And that's that's that combination is why I have them number one. and probably because we're a bit of Homer on this one. but yeah, maybe a maybe maybe a little, but I, I think there's a reasonable argument to be made when you have the top line in all of all of the league. Like, that's a huge feather in your cap that every single team would would trade for right now.
2: Yeah, I, even if you took Bias completely out of it, I would have a really, really hard time not saying the Avs are top two. Seriously. it Seriously. Like, Ch- Chicago maybe gets closest, right. you can say, with their top end. Chicago
1: was the only one that made me think, hmm. But, but. I don't I don't think Dallas is close. I don't either. And then
2: everyone beyond Dallas is, is nowhere close. I think it's
1: Colorado, Nashville, and Chicago kind of in a world of their own. And Nashville uh could easily drop off if they if if their if their rising tide raises the, doesn't raise all the boats, if Kyle Turris, they can't find a home for him, if he can't find a role. I mean that's a big problem for them that they've got to figure out. You'd normally think, well, that's a good problem to have, but coming off the year that he just had, it's a really expensive third-line center, or you move him to wing, and you know maybe that works out just great, and then one of those wings drops down to your third line, and then they get really, really good. That's their potential. They could be crazy good one through three at center, or they could, they could have tourists slide to wing and move one of those really good wings down into their bottom six, which was already a really effective group, but... I think the balancing between moving, removing Subban and adding Duchesne makes them still the best team in the division today.
2: Yeah. And, and when you look at term as well, Mikael Grandlin, Austin Watson, Salamacki a little bit less impactful but those three players yeah. are all UFA at the end of this year for for Nashville. The Avs have two UFAs in for their forward core being Colin Wilson and Matt Nieto. One of those guys we've already said is going to be playing on their fourth line this year and, and Colin Wilson we've we've described as a stopgap. So the Avs are not set up to lose any important pieces mm-hmm. in the future to come.
1: And I'm just going to say this but Mikhail Grandland wouldn't be the worst thing to put next to uh, Nazem Kadri. I'm
0: just, I'm just <laughs> saying. Go.
2: It's pretty early to start the 2020 free agency hype. I think. <laughs> I just don't
1: know where Nashville's going to find the money. Like this year, they found the money yeah, because I, they traded PK Subban. Next year, they have to pay Roman Yossi. Yep. And that should be a that should be a 12 million dollar conversation. Because if it's not, then they've done something. You, we need we need to find out where David Poyle is holding his family. Because <laughs> there's only so many times that you can you can get these guys on cheap deals. He can't keep
2: getting away with it.
1: I mean, Matias, I call him 3.75 for three more years. Yeah. You, it's just
2: absurdity. Man. But
1: this has all been building towards the Roman Yossi extension. So that'll be what happens with Nashville next summer will be very, very interesting. Uh, but for right now, I think they're built to be damn good. And I'm looking forward to those teams going to head to head more than I ever have. Cause I think that the abs for the first time are built to, to 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 play with them on a similar level, the defense, the goaltending, the forwards, I like I like how the Avs match up with Nashville for the first time. Um, I think those are the two teams. Nashville, I think, is the clear favorite going into the season. But I think between St. Louis, uh, Colorado, and Dallas, that's and and maybe Winnipeg, maybe uh, that's the second tier uh, of the Central Division, all fighting for
2: the title. I, I'm with you there. I, it's super exciting that yeah. the abs are even in this conversation and, and the fact that we're putting him as legitimate threats to be potentially one of the best forward cores and one of the best defensive cores in the division is just crazy to me.
1: It really, uh, it's, it's funny how fast it happened, Uh, which is yeah. something I think we should talk about tomorrow. Let's go ahead and get out of here. This segment alone was enormous, but Breaking down what seven teams forward core is going to take some time, so that's what happened. Yeah, um, I've got to say, man, I don't, uh, I don't know that there's a more game-changing forward core than than what Colorado has at the top. That was the conclusion that we came to, which naturally leads me into the game-changing coffee that you guys all know and love, CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Is the Strava Craft coffee that I'm talking about? They have Reviews that are incredible, make sure that you check them out. I was about to sneeze right there. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. I get tweets about it almost every day now, so clearly you guys are big fans, as you should be. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. That does it for what has been an obscenely long episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast. We will see you guys tomorrow.